Hello and welcome to Illuminates, the podcast that examines the decade that gave us both Starman and E.T., both Transformers and GoBots, both Manimal and Lady Hawk, <laughs> and and uh, and looks at what made the 1980s so special creatively in terms of film, television, sci-fi, fantasy, and of course children's cartoons. It was a glory day of children's cartoons. Uh, was it in fact special at all? You've all seen That's a little up for me. You've all seen the the gifts. If you if you watched this cartoon, your childhood was awesome. Was it? So uh, you don't know who we are. I'm Brent Phillips, <laughs> and I am Kelly Powers. And uh, this time we're talking about. Uh, Defenders? Yes, it's um, not the Netflix show. There is no Luke Cage. There is no There is a Iron Fist. There is sort of a Luke Cage analogue. There is. <laughs> but we'll get to that. This is this is Defenders of the Earth. This is this is the Avengers of King Syndicate Comics, is what this is. Uh not not anywhere near as popular as your Transformers, your Thundercats, your He Man, your G.I. Joe. No, like I, I'd, I'd heard of the characters individually. Well, I'd heard of the Phantom, and obviously I'd heard of Flash Gordon, but like I didn't know who uh, the the Wizard and the the Black Guy, for lack of a better way to describe him, because he has no real traits. So, I I was vaguely aware of Lothar, uh, as what I believe was a supporting character in Mandrake's ongoing thing. So let okay. me just let me just backtrack this a little. Also, bit. Mandrake is the worst name for a wizard. It's ever. it's not the best. But <laughs> let me backtrack this for a moment. So, Defenders <laughs> of the Earth is a cartoon series that came out in 1986, and uh, you know that was that was right in the sweet spot for me, uh, yeah. cartoon action time wise. Uh, for Brent, uh, Brent, you were you were a wee bee. I was three years old yeah. when this came out. This so was, I guess it's. It is feasible I could have watched this, but I did not. But that's I what makes your opinion on this. Yeah, I'm coming so in. Valuable. I'm coming in clean. Yeah. The first time I saw this was this week. I am looking back at this through the rose-colored glasses of Kelly's sweet, sweet youth, which, <laughs> which had him watching a hell of a lot of cartoons, and uh, and I I have a special relationship with this series because when this series came out, I was automatically in because I was on board with Phantom. Phantom was yeah. every every day part of our newspaper comic strips that we got at our house. Oh, really? That's awesome. The North Jersey Herald News, which is what we what we were getting <laughs> at my place. The Phantom was a daily strip there, and on Sundays it was in color, and the rest of the week it was your. But you still got it every day. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. And Phantom was Phantom was the only superhero comic in that batch. I mean, this this paper didn't have superhero comics. It just had Phantom and then it had like Garfield and Calvin yeah. and Hobbes and The Far Side. And that's all great, but But it's not the Phantom. I mean the, the Phantom. Phantom is the one that I'm most familiar with. Like I I was 
I guess I started with Phantom 2040. I got way into that and then fell down the rabbit hole realizing that it's this character with this huge history. You, you worked your way back. And then Billy Zane's movie came out and like oh it was it was a very Phantom Christmas, whatever that was, and I got yeah. really into it. But like oh, I've always sweet, liked sweet that. Zane. I've always liked that character. And like, yeah, that movie's not good, but I don't know. It was fun and Billy Zane's the best, so it worked and out. And it didn't shy away and this is not about that movie. But <laughs> it did not I feel free to sidetrack. It did not shy away from the source material, which is what I admired so much about that yeah. movie. They just went with it whole hog. And yeah, they didn't the make it more palatable at all. Nope. Nope. <laughs> and God bless him, his spandex was bright purple. I mean, there was no getting. They did. They tried to. They tried to toughen it up by making it like have these weird sort of animal prints going on inside of it, like kind of no, highlighted. Looks, but it, it looks, was it was bright purple. It looked ridiculous. Uh, and like you said, everybody was kind of aware of Flash Gordon. I was aware of Flash Gordon mostly from the Queen movie. You know, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, with the yeah. soundtrack that Queen did and Flash. Uh, that's that was my Flash Gordon that movie, which was ridiculous, but I had seen. Right, but I'd never heard of Mandrake or Lothar. So Mandrake and Lothar. So the there's there's the four principal defenders in this cartoon series. Which and, and I want to interject here and say that the show gives you no intro as to how these people know each other, uh, or like how they got where they were, or even who they are. Like very so Phantom's not with them at the very beginning. They're like Oh, you know who we need is is a a fucking jungle ghost guy. And they're like, oh, I happen to know one. And so they go find him and like, they don't, they still don't talk about who they are or anything really. Yeah, he, he, well, basically this, this show starts uh, with Flash Gordon basically landing, it certainly does, crash landing (laughs) on someone's lawn. Um, did he? Okay, so hang on, did hang he on. mean to crash land on so, Drake's lawn? Let's get into that in a second. Okay. I just want to take a moment because if we're going to be talking about a 1980s cartoon, an action cartoon, we have to first look at what everybody saw first, which is the opening theme song. <laughs> okay. okay. The opening theme song of any cartoon was what bought you in the first two seconds. If you didn't buy into the theme song, you weren't going to watch that cartoon. Yeah. Uh, Transformers had that robot voice doing that Transformers more than meets the... Everybody loved that's it. That's how you do, uh, that's, that pops in my head all the time. G.I. Joe had a great yeah. opening theme song. And it set up the the premise, you know? You know, Joe versus Cobra, and they, they set that up yeah. really. So Defenders of the Earth has like a rocking 80s... I don't know what... what yeah, would you call I, I enjoy like, the music. It's almost like hairbandy. I was going to say hairband, yeah. Uh, but not... Good. No, but, but you wouldn't <laughs> expect it to be. It's a it's a cartoon. No, no, no. The music is is fine. It's just the voiceover and the visuals do not help you place anything at all. But it's exciting and it's fast paced. It's it's of the time. Yeah. Which just general note about Defenders of the Earth in its entirety. It is the most fast paced cartoon I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. They Did do you not blink? We are seven plot points ahead yeah. of where you stopped, man. They do not waste a lot of time examining one another's feelings. They it's are. funny, and uh, you know, in a lot of there's a lot of modern comedies, um, you know, kind of like I think Harold and Kumar were the first to do this, where they just they fire jokes at you at such a rapid pace that if a few of them don't land, it doesn't matter because you were just laughing at one thirty seconds ago anyway. This feels like the same way. They're like, is this story part working? 
I, I don't know. Let's just do another one. Yeah. Let's, oh, uh, now we're now we're on the moon. Let's do that. Yep. And then like, <laughs> and then like they're coming so fast. Like you don't have time to be bored. Accurate. Accurate. I would have to say. Uh, so, so the theme song is very much in the vein of uh, Gilligan's Island, in that it sets up your principal players real quick. <laughs> Let me just walk you through the lyrics of this theme song. I'm not going to try. To sing the whole thing. Although I will do my favorite part, which is Defenders of the Earth, Defenders. Yeah. (laughs) There's always that that echo, Defenders. And that's exactly how he says it, with that kind of gravel. Uh, So it starts with, Out of the sky, his rockets ignite. Jets into battle, flying faster than light. Flash Gordon. And, okay, great. We we immediately know we've got our spaceman blasting lasers everywhere. Okay. He's going to be our lead. Uh, Lord of the jungle, the hero who stalks, the beasts call him brother, the ghost who walks. Like, Phantom. if you're not familiar with the Phantom, none of that makes sense. No. You think that maybe he talks to animals, but is what you get. When you that. hear the ghost who walks, yeah, then that is you're one like, badass yeah. title. Yeah. That is, that is, that is heavy powerful to loop you right in on them, on him. That's, that's but they didn't titles. come up with that. No, they didn't. That's a fan of but that's one yeah. of the things you thought was cool when you read Phantom in the Daily Comics. Yes. Was like, yes. He's called the Ghost, the Ghost of Walks. Uh, master of magic spells and illusion, enemies crumble in fear and confusion. <laughs> Mandrake. Uh, so Mandrake, Mandrake the Magician, these are all, by the way, uh, th- these are all, by the way, properties owned by uh, King Circle Syndicate, I believe it's called. They owned all four of these properties. Flash, Mandrake, uh, Phantom, and Lothar, who was, I believe, part of the Mandrake property. Uh, he was a okay. supporting character of Mandrake. Well, they seem to be bros. Right, right so that would track. Yeah. So, um, so Mandrake the Magician. Here's what I know about him, and I'm not... I am by no means an expert on Mandrake, but what I understand is... Traditionally, Mandrake was not... He was a magician. He was a stage magician, but he was not actually magical. He did tricks and illusions. Okay. But he didn't... He wasn't like Doctor Strange, where he was ripping open portals in space and time and throwing demons around. It wasn't that. He was using tricks and illusions to confound his much more real-world enemies. Except that he does real magic here. He does indeed. Okay, but but I think they were just trying to super him up. He is not actually well. Now he's the oh, how are we going to get out of this situation? We're going to mandrake it, baby. We will. (laughs) But I think they were souping him up a bit because they needed someone with. They I think they wanted everybody to have a certain amount of superhero cachet, and you know Flash doesn't need it, but he's got a laser pistol and a jet and a you know a spaceship. Mm -hmm. Phantom they gave powers to that he never had in the comics. This whole. We'll get to it, but he has he has powers uh, that he basically can become uh, imbued with the power of certain animals that that was never part of his no comics. Because when that happened, I was like, it's been many years since I went, you know read and watched the Phantom stuff. I don't remember him doing that. And your memory is not deceiving. <laughs> he, as a matter of fact, never did any such thing. But they made him in this comic, and so Mandrake, I think they just. Aired on the side of, he's a magician? Great. Full-on magic. Um, again, even with that being said, he's not doing any Doctor Strange type stuff. His tricks are much more low-level. He'll do a little telekinesis here and there. Uh, a little illusion that you couldn't do with with just, like, 
moving a tablecloth underneath a, a bunch of right. cutlery in China. What he can do is hypnotize robots. Oh my god, I'm glad you said that, because that is definitely <laughs> something I wrote down the, several the times. The first thing he does is hypnotize robots into thinking that Flash Gordon's ship flew off, and it's like, yeah. that works on robots? We'll they don't there. have brains, right? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Absolutely. Uh, and so, if they do have brains, it brings into question, like, why they're the throwaway <laughs> enemy that you can beat up. It's like, are they alive? There's some pretty heavy ethical questions about making that possible. There are. There are. Uh, uh, and then our last uh, prime defender, Lothar. Lothar, like I said, I think was a supporting player in Mandrake's cast. He was sort of his uh, his his go-to guy, uh, always helping him and assisting him in his adventures. But I don't think he had anything like this. Well, they, they describe him. His strength is a legend. His skills conquer all. Armed with his power, we never will fall, Lothar. So, but during that picture, okay, during the intro when those lyrics are being said, it's like Lothar is like swinging on a rope and the rope breaks and then he climbs up the rope. Do you have to be powerful to climb up a broken rope? Is that the thing? <laughs> it's like, I, I, you know, I watched those two episodes and for the second episode, I'm like, I'm going to pay really close attention because I got confused about the Lothar rope thing. And I really want to know what happens here. So I'm like watching. I'm like, I still don't fucking know. What just happened with that rope? He he definitely has, and we'll see in the first, and almost the first scene of the of the show, uh, he has super strength. Sure, but... What the perp... What, what that the, doesn't make you climb up broken ropes. It doesn't. But There's what, nothing to grab. What the, what the origin of this super strength is what... I, again, I don't think he ever had super... I think he was a strong man. Lothar was famously, you know... My muscle, Mandrake's muscle, you know, I'll sure. send Lothar after you and he, you don't want to mess with Lothar. But he wasn't ripping the doors off of titanium spaceships or whatever those, whatever flashes. I mean, his kid can even kick down metal well, his doors. His just using like judo and martial arts. He's not I don't know how much experience you have strong. with martial arts, but you can't kick down metal doors with it. I think it's time I let you in on my secret. I'm a master of martial arts. <laughs> and... I can down metal doors. I do not believe you can do that. Uh, and then the last part of the theme song is my favorite because to carry on the Gilligan's Island analogy a little further, it's the part that goes, and the rest. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and we got these other four squares. <laughs> yep. Uh, and they says, make it eight because we can count. Here with, you go. <laughs> with our new young heroes proving their worth, four become eight defending the earth. No names, no specifics, no, hey, this is what... LJ brings to the team. Nope, nothing. It's just and the rest. Uh, and those are the, the sort of the junior defenders, but four become eight defending the earth. And that is the premise of the series and the setup. It's it's four adult classic heroes who all know each other and are hanging out for whatever reason, and their kids who are now all also going to hang out with them. But that wasn't that wasn't weird for the 80s. Most 80s cartoons, like, had, like, the, you know, Transformers and everything had some sort of kid that, like, followed him around and was supposed to be the, you know, stand-in for the child watching the cartoons. They're like, that's yeah. me. I identify like, with you. And they always, they're always the ones that get in trouble and have to be rescued and yep. stuff like that. Timmy's always falling down that well. This, the, the show opens, the pilot episode opens, and we are on a dark and stormy night. It literally, there's a raging storm going on in the sky, and a spaceship crashes 
on Mandrake's front lawn. Mandrake lives in a palatial mansion in the middle of who knows. And a spaceship crash lands with a volcano on his front lawn. <laughs> with a volcano, to be fair, the volcano doesn't appear until much later. <laughs> but uh, a spaceship crashes on his front lawn. Uh, Lothar is already with Mandrake at the mansion. Uh, and we sort of presume Lothar and his son LJ live there. Yeah, I, I kind of got that that's impression. That's the impression I got. And uh, already at that home, it's, it's very late at night, Lothar states he can rip the door off of the spaceship. Exclamation point. Uh, but Mandrake's worried he might burn his hands, so instead, Mandrake uses his magic to zap the door off its hinges and float it to the lawn. Uh... And immediately, Mandrake, they peer inside, Mandrake recognizes Flash Gordon. So you get the feeling, maybe they're not buddies or anything, but they are, they are aware of one another previously. But is that because, like, is Flash Gordon famous? Is he world famous? I don't think he is world famous because... Does uh, he, in, I, you know, I've only watched these two episodes. Does Flash Gordon, like, ever blend in with a crowd see, I've, later? I've watched other episodes, and I'll say that in uh, later episodes, like... You don't find that out, but for example, Flash's son Rick is attending high school, and nobody nobody seems to be like in awe of Rick's dad or being like, "Oh, that's of the famous Gordon family" or anything like that. If sure, okay, he's just sort of under the radar. But I think the impression you're supposed to but get maybe is the superheroes, the are adventuring like, no, no, community, it's, it's Flash Gordon, I yeah, know he is. the community yeah. of of people who get into this kind of thing are aware of each other. They they have that professional awareness of each other, but they're maybe not all hanging out the way Drake <laughs> and Lothar okay. clearly are. Um, professional courtesy. Right, right. So um, They're on LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. They they have <laughs> they have their their forums where they get together to uh, to make fun of each other. And Flash in a in and out feverish stupor from his crash quickly lays out that the world is in peril by Ming, who is planning to invade Earth and steal all our resources because Ming's used up all the resources on Mongo and is coming for Earth next and has taken Flash's wife and son prisoner. And in this scene, we also meet for the first time the first of the four next-gen defenders, uh, and that is Kishin, spelled K-S-H-I-N. Kishin. Uh, he is, what would you say, ward of Mandrake? He's not Mandrake's son. I don't know, man. It's really weird. You don't really know why. I mean, certainly not from the pilot. Okay, you, you never know. see you never see Kashin like clean up or anything. He's not like a servant boy, but like he's not treated with respect either like he's certainly not treated in a fatherly way by mandrake mandrake does tend to only uh criticize him and sort of constantly is like you sit there in the corner while the yeah, adults go do he's stuff he's constantly and like, telling him everyone says like that's a constant thing for the next gen defenders is hey, you're probably going to get hurt, stay here. There's even a whole thing in the next episode where, like, it goes, like, three down the line where 
I think they I think they tell Flash Gordon's kid to stay put, and then he tells the other ones to stay put, and then they tell another one to stay put because they don't, and they they all say it unironically. Yeah, and it's like you're all going to be in danger anyway. Yeah, he's for all we know in the in the in what we learn in the in the pilot episode is that Kishin is I'm going to say Ward. I'm going to say he's, but he never does. He do any magic later? Well, I'm not saying Apprentice. I'm just saying he's, okay, he he's just, under the care of Mandrake the Magician. Some orphan. He lives out. there. Mandrake sends him to uh, some sort of school. He doesn't go to the same school as them because he's 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 younger. He's than younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get the feeling he's, he's more like middle school. Yeah. Uh, so we meet we meet him there, and then Lothar, for some reason, is skeptical of Flash's quote science fiction tale, even though they just. Pulled saw this guy out of a crashed land. spaceship on their front lawn. And saw aliens chase after him. But, well, no. That not yet, happened yet. Because, as he says, he's suspicious of this, t- oh, this science right. fiction tale. That is when the ice robots from Mongo attack. And ice robots attack, and you're not so much skeptical anymore. Mandrake casts some simple illusion, which, uh, never taking a break from sipping his tea, by the way, he's daintily sipping tea while he casts this illusion over the ice robots. This is what Brent was referring to earlier. Uh, He convinces the robots that Flash has left and his ship has then taken off in in the distance again. Look out the window. There it goes, flying away. And this illusion works on, I'm gonna say it again, robots who have no human minds to trick, as far as we can tell. I think they're alive. I think Ming has created pure AI, and this show's about murdering them. Yeah. This is uh, some Westworld shit happening They, here. they like, must be very advanced for illusions to work on them. This is all kind of shaky, but work it And up. instead of just using your complete power over their mind to, I don't know, blind them, and then just break them. Yeah. Lothar uh, could just smash them. Yeah. He instead says, you know, oh no. no nobody's here. You don't want to stay here. You want to go that way. And the ice robots are like... But he doesn't, but he doesn't like suggestively hypnotize them to leave. He just says, there's no Gordon here. And they're like, oh yeah, I guess not. And then like... They don't they see say, oh, mind. he's taken off. Yeah. They don't seem like particularly evil other than just they want to get Gordon. It's not like, oh, there's a bunch of innocent people here and we're about destruction. It's like... Uh, no, we were chasing that they guy. They were very you guys, specifically. You guys, you know, sorry about Burgeon and, you know, I'll go chase him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> please, please excuse this interruption, guys. Until they almost seem polite. Yeah. Uh, and so the robots leave, tricked entirely, and then Flash wakes up. Okay, ha- but... Had he okay. fallen asleep? Because we didn't see him, like, pass out. But he, we see him wake up on Mandrake's couch like he had been out for some time. Maybe part of that was Mandrake like knocking him out so that he wouldn't like wake up and mess up the illusion. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. And the range on Mandrake's illusions must be insane. Here's my theory on that, though. I think the illusion he cast was on the window itself to make it look but like they chase. They get out and chase after it. But all they're chasing after is they know they saw out the window that a ship took off. It's yeah, already out. They were actively shaped. 
I thought they were actively chasing. They're not. I don't think they're still actively chasing something they can see. I think they're like, I know it went this way. I saw it take off from the window. Let's just take off in that direction. Okay, maybe. But once you don't find anything, I don't know. I, I, I would have circled back if but then, I were an ice but robot. But then you're not an With ice a soul, clearly. That's the yeah. problem. Uh, LJ, who, by the way, the show's production notes say let us know that LJ stands for Lothar Jr. <laughs> Which is never what he's never called that in the show, I promise you. But that is what they always intended LJ to stand for. Awesome. Lothar Jr. Uh, Lothar Jr. arrives and he sees the big freaking hole in their living room wall that the ice robots made when they unceremoniously let themselves in. Yeah. And uh, he just basically makes some comment about having missed all the fun. He's not at all surprised to see a spaceman lying on their couch. Or this big hole in the wall. It's just, just a, like, just a Tuesday guys, at the Mandrake house. I told you to wait for me. Uh, and then we move on to the next scene on the planet Mongo. And uh, in Mongo, we're looking at uh, this bulbous octopus-looking uh, robot called Octon. Uh, in was, my, I already I had forgotten his name, so I wrote Octobot yeah, in all he, my notes. He, he's but. Octon. Uh, he's he's reporting on the flash action to Ming and Ming's own teenage son, Prince Crotan. <laughs> such a he's such a wiener too. By the way, Ming, by the way, is the only person in the series who this is done to. He has not only a teenage son who you see in the pilot, but in later episodes you find he also has a teenage daughter. Okay. Two kids for Ming. Whoa. And uh and so he's talking he's he's giving a report on the flash the Flash. I'm Flash getting away. And we see that Flash's wife, Dale, which, if you ever uh, watched any of the Flash Gordon serials or were aware of the Flash Gordon movie, Queen soundtrack, awesome soundtrack, uh, Dale Arden is his, his uh, love interest throughout all of those. Yeah. And so, Dale, at this point, has married Flash and become his wife. And they have a child. Well, clearly, like <coughs> fifteen years ago. So that's a that's another question. Are we to assume now? This was nineteen eighty six. Was this happening in nineteen eighty six, or was this like so many eighties cartoons set in some couple years in the future, but know. not far enough away that it was super future? Just like they no. had better computers than we had, and and maybe a little more tech. Well, what they do with Dale. Not only the fact that they are able to do it, but the fact that it seems like kind of a lore issue. Like, were the comics still running at this point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, so is this, is this canon? Uh, no. No. I mean... Well, then it, then it feels like... This was written for the show. It feels like it is 15 or 20 years in the future. The only character from Defenders of the Earth who had children in canon, in the comics, in the daily strips, was Phantom. Phantom did have kids. Now his kids, I say kids plural, he didn't have just one kid. He had twins. A boy and a girl. That's and they right. were they yeah. were little. They were like they were like nine, maybe. Yeah. So Maybe maybe the other one died. Oh man. <laughs> Eaten by a tiger. Well, let's just have a little toast for yeah. for twin phantom. Pour one out. Mm. So uh, Flash's wife Dale, their son Rick, are prisoners of Ming's 
But uh, we see that Mom tricks the guards, and Rick manages to escape. And he says, okay, for okay, the first hold on, time... Hold on, hold on. You glossed over the way that this prison works, is that <laughs> somehow the bars of the prison are just icicles. Oh, everything is, by the way, ice-based. There's ice robots, there's ice stations. I get that, but we're never shown, like... There's no door. It's just icicles. Like, so they've been trapped in this room and they can't leave unless the icicles are broken. And so, like, they trick the... The ice robots think they gotta get in there to help the... To help Dale. So they, like, shoot the icicles down. Or to help the boy. Whatever. Right. And, um... It's like... Well, let's say, let's say you the boy was choking, and you know you Heimlich him, and he's okay. What were you gonna do about those icicles? <laughs> like now, you just broke their prison. Well, no, because can they? I think we see manipulate ice. They can. Well, you don't even have to. They, it's not like a magic that they can. Their technology manipulates ice. They just basically spray more bars into place that freeze immediately. So if you did we see this happen? I don't think we see it in this episode, but I, I but could be wrong. But I think in further in the series... Ming does have a thing for <coughs> kidnapping. I don't know if you noticed it's true. that. It's true. But he he's does. like, you know how I'm going to get ahead? Kidnapping. He does kidnap a lot in the first two episodes. And what was he hoping to get? Well, anyway. <laughs> so you're right. You're right. Uh, the bars were just ice. They broke them. But I think in later episodes, you would see such things get broken and... The ice robot would come up and refreeze them just with a little quick mister spray. Okay, so maybe they weren't worried about They're it. Back in place, no, no harm, no foul. Um, so, with that, Mom tricks the guards into letting Rick escape, and Rick says for the first time of what is going to be many, many times, I'll come back for you. <laughs> Rick becomes very adept at not saving his mother. So... Uh, that's the first time. I'll come back for you, Mom. Rick runs out into the snow. It is, I'm sure, sub-zero temperature And to out be there. fair, she says, run. She tells him to go. This time, it makes sense. It's time to go. He's got to Rick's got to get out. Take some sort of action. They, they have no. They sure. have no recourse really. So sure. he runs out, and he runs out in his in his uh, members only jacket into the snow. <laughs> and 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 it is a members only jacket. There's, he is he is a future member, and uh, he immediately, as a patrol of ice robots walks by, comes close to where he is, and he knows he's going to get caught. There's a tiny pair of hands that pull him by the ankles into an underground lair of what we learn to be a creature that we will call Zuffy. Zuffy. And this is the action series comic relief animal sidekick that is plagued every 1980s cartoon that ever existed. There's always the comical... It's funny, even as a kid watching cartoons like this, I always wondered, like, is someone laughing at this? Because it's not me. He's always supposed to be funny, but he never actually is. And most of the time, he just annoys the crap out of you. I don't think Zuffy, at least in the first two episodes, Zuffy is just kind of there. He's not particularly annoying or comical. That's it's really Kashin. It's really like <laughs> he's more obnoxious and annoying. It's like but have you noticed that it's Zuffy and Kashin who immediately bond? With yes, one they just become one amalgamation of annoyance. Yeah. Yes, okay. But I was trying to think of all the various 
Zuffy analogs in the other shows of the 1980s that yeah. I recall from my youth. And I'm thinking uh, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon had Uni. Uh, Uni was this tiny baby unicorn. We're going to have to follow them around. Oh, we definitely have to do a Dungeons and Dragons episode. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe had maybe the only one that actually was funny. G.I. Joe's animal sidekick was Polly the Parrot. Shipwrecks Polly the Parrot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, he, he at least there's was a, a wise of, guy. There's a lot of parrot comedy. Thundercats had Snarf. And everybody <laughs> I knew hated Snarf so much. Lionel. No, God, no, stop. Uh, Real Ghostbusters had Slimer. But, yeah. To be fair, they didn't create Slimer for the cartoon. No, but they certainly they expanded upon him. him. Oh, yeah. I guess. He wasn't... On the scale of annoyance, and let's just say Snarf's the far end, and... God, you know what the shallow end is, but, like... <laughs> Zuffy's not that bad. At least not in the first couple Not in the first episodes. couple episodes. Maybe Although he gets worse. his appearance, to me... Is, is, is a poor. Screams 1980... It screams, like, we have to make him fluffy, and he should have some antennas, because antennas are cute and no, alien. No, you, you see the marketing execs around the table saying... The show needs one of these little dudes. I bet. I think it should look like this, like just all the others put together. And they say, "Okay, here's stuff." We could do a plush doll of this in five minutes. Yes, and we could slap a package. Oh yeah, this one. You tell me if this qualifies. I thought long and hard about this. I never really landed. In He Man, He Man had Orko. Now Orko is not exactly an an animal, but he is the small comedic sidekick annoying guy who floats around the real characters i mean you you either get a situation like orko or you get like uh, you get you get the bumbling um henchman kind of thing yeah and so they're not they actually are sometimes sort of the plot but like they're just there for comic relief or an annoyance and like yeah None of those characters ever fucking worked. I remember. And it's not like we were... We're we're normal people. We're not like advanced <laughs> kids or anything. That right. like, oh, I'm immune to your comedic... Whatever. No. This, I don't think this worked on any kids. We no kids liked any children. of this shit. No. Like, the cartoons that I loved the most were the ones that, like, had continuity and had, like, actual things happen. Not the ones that took time to, like, pander to me with some fluffy bunny Absolutely. alien thing. And, like, it's so weird that that was such a prevalent it's like through line of all of them. It's like some executive talked to all the other executives and said, no, listen to me. This is gold. Yeah. You have to have this guy in your show. Yeah, you're like, it's, it's cool that you got four superheroes, but what you really need is a fluffy, is a fluffy bunny. Oh. And then, so, <laughs> Zuffy pulls Rick underground. He grabs him by his ankles and yanks. And his hands in the, in the shot are the size of just sort of smallish <laughs> child hands, right? <laughs> and he pulls him into his lair. But once inside Zuffy's lair, which is actually sort of an underground house... He's shown to be about kitten-sized, and his hands are proportionately that much smaller. And yes. you think there is no way... His hands way, shrunk by 20, 20 times. There is no way this tiny kitten animal pulled a full-size teenage he boy... He can expand his hands. Ceiling is... Yanked him into a tunnel through some bracken and snow and ice into this lair. Uh, <coughs> let's, uh... Let's now, if Zuffy occasionally got angry and transformed into a monster... 
That, that would have been be cool. Something. And that's something we could discuss. One of the things I want to go over is uh, is would this be worth taking a revamp visit? Nice. Uh, because that, you know, everything new is old again. Uh, in the 1980s, we're, we're pulling in this day and age of Ready Player One and, uh, you know, DuckTales is back on TV and, uh, and we're pulling everything back out again. Maybe go back to the Defenders and revamp it a little and play with it. <laughs> no, making the fluffy bunny also turn into like a mutant thing. I love that like... idea, though. Well, I think it would have been good in the 80s to do it in a revamp today just reeks of like, let's make it extreme. Like, you know, it's true. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That's something really they did in the 90s. I know. Like, more like, extreme version. Um, so they would have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all of a sudden they get the extreme version where they like get super ripped and you're yeah. just like, okay. Uh, take a moment to look around Zuffy's living room. Zuffy lives in a house where he's not an animal in this house. It is a full on living room. No, it's like fully furnished. They have like a computer on a desk in the corner. (laughs) I didn't catch the computer. And I'm thinking, what is this thing? Is he. (laughs) Because he never speaks in real words. It's not like he has a secret language and only some people understand him and some people don't because they speak the language. But he still might speak in a language and just no one understands it. All right, first of all, he's naked. He's just wearing a little fur. So, okay, in the so grand that, scheme of animals, it's us that's weird that no, wear clothing. I know. I mean, for example, in Star in the Star Wars universe, Chewbacca is naked, and he's definitely technology. Uh, yeah, okay. He's a species, and they have ships, and they have a society and everything. Zuffy comes from something that has some sort of society, because there's, you know... Plates and stuff on the table, and there's and a small just, computer in the they corner. They just fucking taken. And he just decides to stick with Rick. And for the rest of the series, is treated like a house cat. <laughs> but this is an advanced alien creature. Uh, be- well, whenever he's <laughs> off screen, he's over there coding on Dale. It's sort of like, like uh, uh, Futurama. What was the little... Nibbler. Nibbler, Nibbler yeah. and Futurama secretly was very advanced. Maybe yeah. that's the deal with Zuffy. I don't know. I don't know. Um, So his intelligence level is up for debate. Uh, But back on Earth, Lothar has used his knowledge of astromechanics, which he apparently has. He even says a line about, like, there's anything I know, it's astromechanics. (laughs) He's like, what an asshole. Who says that? But (laughs) the proof is in the pudding, because he... he, Yeah, he repairs Flash's ship, no problem. In a second, it's in a hot minute, the next morning, that ship is not only repaired... But they've got, like, the bucket seats filled out for the, all of them to climb into that one-person cockpit. It's it's tricked out. And uh, they repaired Flash's ship, so it's off to Mongo to rescue Gordon's uh, wife, and, wife kid. and kid. Minus Kishin, who is told he has to stay and do his homework. And this is, this is part of the pattern with poor Kishin. He's always left out. Always. Even when he becomes a defender of the Earth, it is... It is to stay home and watch the base while the rest of us defend the Earth. Uh, then back to be Mongo, fair, in the second episode, he does knock down a spaceship with a rock. It is. He has he has something very vital to contribute in the second part of, of the first two episodes. But we'll get there. 
Um, so back on Mongo, Rick and Zuffy are sneaking back into Ming's compound to rescue Dale. And Zuffy is now monkey-sized. He's gone from kitten to about chimpanzee. Yeah. His size is so I'm valuable. telling you, he can, he can morph. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's true. And maybe maybe at some point he can become a full adult male, like, humanoid thing that can, you know, have a living room with a computer in the corner. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he bites a huge dragon snake, which is this thing that Ming had as, like, a pet. And it yeah. it coils around, but it Zuffy just attacks this thing and bites it. Zuffy, Zuffy don't care. <laughs> uh, they they find Dale being tortured in a machine called the Inquisitor to learn quote unquote okay, okay. what she knows. They don't find this. Rick alone finds it, right? Well, Rick. Uh, Somehow they get separated. You're right. Rick finds Rick and Zuffy find Dale. That's what I meant to. So say. yeah, Rick gets. He gets his hands on a gun, and he like uh, an ice an ice robot blaster guy. Yeah, and yeah. he like shoots at Ming and like misses, but Ming runs away, <laughs> and then Rick throws the gun down. Rick is very irresponsible because they come into a room and his mother is clearly hooked up to a very complex apparatus, and she's being tortured, and she is enmeshed in machinery. I mean, it's all over her, and it, there's big dome thing over her skull with wires going out from it and from her spine in the back and she is in this thing and he, she's being tortured for whatever she knows um that's that's literally what ming says torture her for what she knows that doesn't say like you know what that could possibly she possibly be. know i know that zuffy shouldn't be monkey sized in this scene <laughs> um, and rick blasts the machine with his laser rifle. I don't know if he meant to. Was he shooting? You say he was, shooting, he was shooting at me. But he blasts the machine. And don't worry, I'm sure that won't do any permanent brain damage to your mother uh, as the machine explodes all over the place and she is screaming in pain. No, I think I think Rick killed his mom. Oh, he. there's no question. There's no question. But don't the, worry. The question is, had he not done that, I don't think Ming would have killed him. He just was trying to find out what she knew. But, like, they never, like, Rick never feels any guilt about murdering his mom. No. In fact, he is turned on by the idea of using <laughs> her disembodied consciousness later on for his own nefarious scientific experiments. <laughs> it gets pretty twisted, kid. Rick but, is a villain in the making. But stay with us. Uh, it's going to get twisted. Um, so he shouts at this time for the second time. I'll, I'll be come back. back for you. Oh yes. It's like if you hadn't thrown the gun down when you entered the room, you could just be here for her. How about getting me out of this machine, son? Don't do, worry, I'll come back. Do literally anything other than just kill her and leave. Yeah, cuz that's all he did. Oh, and this is the second time he says goodbye to his mother. I'll be back for you and again runs out of the room unseen by anyone. Zuffy steals a broken piece of crystal from the machine that had landed in Dale's hand, and he just sort of pockets that in his non-pocket-having fur. Uh, don't know. He, he's keistering it, I guess. It's just because it's just. I mean, is that it? When when Zuffy was inside Zuffy's fully furnished house, he was about the size of this crystal. Yeah, you're not kidding. It's. So it's not a small crystal, so it hurt. Yeah, he got yeah. away. Up think, there. think about the size of the crystal from Superman the movie. You know his green yeah. Krypton crystal, about that. 
Uh, Flash and company arrive on Mongo and are immediately engaged by a fleet of ships, of, of ice warrior ships. And Flash makes short work of about 16 of them. <laughs> and Mandrake then uses mass hypnosis on the robot pilots yet again so that he makes them see Flash, instead of the one ship that they're all in, Flash's ship, he makes the robots see about five ships instead of one. And I'm thinking... If that's you can still, do that, that's still only okay. If you can do five ships, can you do fifty? Right, like how much? Once you have the ability to make someone see a spaceship, how much more power is required to see two to five to fifty? It was like he did, maybe he didn't think that was believable. I don't want to. I don't want to knock anyone out here. I don't want to. I don't want to tip my hand. Maybe this is. I just want them to think. Five people came instead. Yeah, and be like, oh, I guess the other four were like, you know, hidden back in the corner. But the other thing is, is like, let's say you did this, you're only really reducing their accuracy by 80% right. by doing that. You're still going to take quite a lot of fire from a fleet <laughs> of fucking spaceships. I mean, the sky is full of the ice robot ships. So much so that when they are shooting at the invisible, or the not real ships, Ming thinks his... Empire is going to be destroyed so by the. That was my my note as well because Ming Ming is not out there, and so he is not. From what I can, he's understand, not affected by. He's not virus. affected by this illusion because he's not out there looking at the sky the way that the ice pirates ice pilots are. <laughs> ice pirates, another movie, by the way, we'll have to get to at some point. Um, and so he's not affected by the illusion. Mandrake casts. He's looking at a computer screen, which clearly tells him one ship is in the sky over Mongo, and he loses his mind and says, we must evacuate immediately. And he abandons his entire empire because one ship has pierced the atmosphere. I feel like he doesn't deserve to be called an emperor. <laughs> he is Ming... At most, he is a mayor. He is Ming the Merciless. Maybe a governor. And I'm thinking... But maybe... they clearly say empire multiple times and, like, he's ruined an entire planet. Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in the old Flash Gordon serials... Mongo is the capital planet of his entire empire, which stretches out to all these other planets. And Flash basically does a intergalactic tour, going from planet to planet, recruiting the leadership of those planets to rebel against tyrannical Ming. Yeah, okay. And, uh, yeah, here Ming basically just abandons all hope as soon as he sees one ship in the sky. <laughs> uh, he's out of there. And Flash finds... Rick on the ground, they land the plane, Flash finds Rick. They see Ming's ship leave in the sky, and so they they all run to the room that Rick leads them to, where Dale was uh, last abandoned by her son. Uh, and they find Which, him. by the way, okay, so when he's like, Rick, you're here, and they hug, and he's like, what about your mom? Where is she? And he's like, oh, dad. It's like he knows. He knows she's dead. 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 There was an unfortunate explosion that was unavoidable <laughs> yeah. in, in the torture Someone, room. Someone I didn't see who <laughs> shot up all the shit connected oh, to her. I can't believe that. It was just the worst luck. I mean, one of those freak things. It's a million to one shot, Dad. A million to one shot. Rick, <laughs> but, but we'll all have to murder. live. Oh, Rick, come on, man. Um, he leads them back to the room where they last saw Dale uh, dying in a series of explosions of the machine. <laughs> and sure enough, Dale's dead. 
With a capital D. It's not... In the pilot of a kid's in a cartoon. Pilot, this is something a big, big deal for me. And I remember being a kid and seeing this and thinking, well, she's unconscious and they're going to pick her up and take her back to the ship. No. She is deed. She's dead, dead. Yeah, she's mostly and, in fact, completely dead. Well, mostly dead. She's not... Her soul's in a crystal. Yeah, well... Yes, but whatever not that be, means, she she wasn't to glaive or to to blave <laughs> to blave to blave. Yeah. Um, yeah, that eighties cartoon went there, and I was just impressed watching it again now as an adult. I was impressed that they were willing to do that because I could imagine any number of oversight people saying you can't you can't kill the mom in the cartoon, which is funny because I think. Kids don't see death the way adults do. They do not care. They don't get it. I suppose. But I remember being a little taken aback. You were probably surprised because it never happens in cartoons as opposed to you being like, Maybe it goes back to what you were saying before, which is the ones that don't pander, the ones that just keep the story and the action going, those are the ones that impress you. This impressed me then. I remember being like, wow, sorry, Rick. You're going to have to live with that. Apparently, he has no idea. He's oblivious. But, I mean, Rick finds a way to live with it. I hope he... Finds a way to work through his guilt. I am hoping that every time he's not on screen, he is crying somewhere in the dark, trying to keep his deep, dark secret (laughs) from getting out so that his dad doesn't find out that he murdered his mom and his dad doesn't disown him. I hope the screensaver on Dynac X is, (laughs) is his mother saying, Why did you kill me? She knows. She knows what the score is. Um, I and know so, you killed me, Rick. So Dale's dead, and we'll refer to her from now on as Dead Dale. Uh, she's she's dead, and, and the defenders who are not yet defenders um, vow revenge on Ming. They don't vow um, we'll stop this from ever happening again to to anyone else, or we'll defend the earth. This is not this is not the moment where they become no, the defenders. This is straight of the earth. up a revenge. Mission. They all of them vow to get revenge on Ming for killing Flash's wife. And I thought that is a more you see Rick sweating in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find we'll find whoever's responsible for yeah. this. Whoever it was, I don't know. <laughs> and they'll be able to pay. But I thought it was an interesting moment because Flash at this point. They've all gone out of their way for this guy that they're not really tight with. I mean, Flash is a... They're, they're showing him professional courtesy after this point. Yeah, they're bros. He needs help to rescue his wife. It's like, if you showed up and you were like, uh, my wife's in trouble, of course I'm going to give you a ride or whatever the equivalent is in our lives. Right. But I'm not going to swear a blood oath of revenge about they it. They do it. I'm going to say there's fucking police for that kind of shit. Like, but... Uh yeah, they're they're all in, man. They're all about the Ming murder. Yeah, and uh, and granted, you know, we say that that Rick killed her, and he did, but Ming did put her in that position. He did kidnap her, and she died as a result. I just, I would love to see uh, uh another uh, that scene shown from Ming's point of view where Rick shows up and starts blasting the machine. <laughs> I'd love to see the expression on Ming's face where he's like, no, 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 don't shoot the machine. Why You'll are you kill her. your mom? You understand you're going to kill her if you shoot? Oh, man, you did it. Okay. That's a very Adventure Brothers thing. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Why? Why did you kill your mom? Uh, the gang fly back to Earth in pursuit of Ming and wonder how they'll possibly find him with so many places he could hide. 
And uh, the ship already has... I, I loved this because I love continuity glitches. In uh, 1980s cartoons are filled with them. They're yeah. just a treasure trove. The ship... Are, those, those guys are all just doing coke and writing like, what, well, and what also, should happen now? This also, happens. they're sending these scripts off to like Korea or wherever they're going to be to be animated and then sent back to them. Yeah. And there was all kinds of miscommunication. So they're flying back to wondering to Earth wondering how they're going to find Ming and the ship already has a massive D for Defenders logo on the tail fin of the ship even though the Defenders is not a thing yet and it's already <laughs> logoized and on the side of their ship. That's um, just the astromechanics of it. Yeah. That's just how it looks. They haven't decided on this at all, but uh, they haven't named themselves the Defenders of the Earth because continuity. But it's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then Zuffy presents the crystal that he grabbed. Don't ask where he pulls it from. Uh, Zuffy presents the I'll crystal. I'll assume they washed it. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that fur is, is uh, grabs a lot of Maybe dirt. Maybe he had so. some pockets. Let's hope. Uh, he grabs the crystal that he, he grabbed from Dead Dale's corpse, and Rick remembers that it was part of the machine he saw her being tortured by. And we leave it there. That's it. Hey, I remember seeing that in the machine. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> uh, and then Ming's throne ship, because he took off. His whole his whole throne room was, a, in fact, a ship that took off and left. Yeah. And Ming's throne ship lands in the Arctic, and he immediately rechristens it Ice Station Earth. So that the toy of this enemy base can be properly marketed and on the shelves by Christmas. <laughs> because that's there was no other reason to land and say, I proclaim... He literally lands the ship and says, I rename this Ice Station Earth. TM. And that's it. It's Ice Station well, Earth. Well, my favorite thing is he, he also has some sort of line about it being... You know, it's cold enough for him to do his ice technology. Right. And it's like... Most of Earth is not ice. And then, I guess it's the next episode where he's based out of a prison. Oh, yes. He doesn't, like, he kidnaps the kids and they go to the prison and, like, why didn't you take them back to Ice Station Earth where your technology works? You're just in this random prison. Yeah, he, he well, that's, yeah. Okay, that's another That's thing. another, that's a whole <laughs> other so I guess technically they don't know where he is. But he, he, he's going to hang out in the Arctic because it's compatible with all his technology, basically. But if that's true, you know what? The Arctic's not super populated. Flash could just fly around the Arctic. Well, also, I was thinking, wouldn't But Flash... you know who would help us find an ice-based enemy? A jungle ghost. Yes, because <laughs> no one leaps around the Arctic better than a jungle ghost. I mean, that's just fact. That's science. <laughs> that is science. No, but but um, what I was thinking was the, the the very previous scene. They're all talking to each other like, Ming could hide anywhere on Earth. How are we going to find him? Wouldn't Flash know that he's going to... His his technology is all ice-based technology. Right. right. Well, there's only at a the, couple of at places. At the very least, I'd search there first. Yeah. I would, I would definitely search there first. And you also think... Uh, a ship moving around on the planet is probably going to stand out in some sort of radar screen. That I mean, they must have some sort of tracking technology. I don't know. Which, by the way, I mean, we can get to this when we get there, but that, like, the abilities of radar and sensors are very wildly... <laughs> they the, are as transitant as Zuffy's size. Yeah, the, the oct oct Octobot, octa whatever he's octum. called. Octum. 
Oh, yeah. Octung, baby. Octung can can detect people inside a volcano. Yeah. And then like uh they can't detect that a bunch of ice warriors walked inside their volcano. Okay, like don't right. even have security cams up. And this guy can detect things inside a volcano. Like it's just okay. Yeah. Octum, they should have gotten them an Octobot. Yeah, absolutely. Although Octum was also one of the better U two albums. But we'll move on. Um <laughs> This is my favorite. My favorite part is that for some reason, Ming no- Ming knows that Rick Gordon's school year will start soon. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's September. That's gotta be. Certain. He says. He says to Octong, you know, Rick Gordon will start school soon. Maybe this is the knowledge that Dale Arden was being tortured for, so that he he can know when his. Her son's it's, school year starts. Is it late August or early I'll September, I'll never tell Dale? you. I'll never tell you. Uh, yeah, this is definitely... Presumably the public school calendar was top secret at that point. <laughs> and she was tortured to death to get that knowledge. Um, and Ming unveils his Men of Frost. And these are the most confusing <laughs> bad guys any... Anyone has ever created. Okay, the men of Frost are, according to Ming's explanation, humans that he at some point has abducted and coated with his special Frost (laughs) and whom he now controls. Uh, And he sends them out to find Rick's school. So these are he like uh, he like unveils a room where he was holding a They're bunch almost of, like animated corpses. Yeah, these are just point. like naked abductees yes. that they had on ice, literally. He coated them with a special frost. And now they serve his will. Don't make that face. Yeah, you can't hear that, but I'm making a <laughs> face. Yeah, it was uh it was exactly what I thought as well, and it was very strange. And uh these are confusing because later on you'll see them for some reason. They they put on masks over their... Because the, the Men of Frost are humanoid. They're bald, but they're humanoid looking. They they are blue of skin. They're, they're tinted blue because of the cold frost. Okay. But when they go out into the human world to infiltrate... Kidnap. They have human masks that are pink-skinned put over them so that they look more normal Caucasian. But okay, so that they're they're humans who are now wearing human skin over <laughs> their blue. Oh, it's just confusing. I I have so many questions about the men. Why couldn't you just either like, recruit? If you had those kind of masks ready to go, just put them on an ice. Why warrior? couldn't you just yeah? Why couldn't you just put those masks on the ice warriors and send them out pretending to be humans, or just pay humans? There's plenty of bad. <laughs> There's plenty of bad people in the world who will gladly serve you if you pay them to do bad things. I mean, that's just... Especially, like, you know, Ming doesn't really do much more than kidnap people. Like, <laughs> There's lots of kidnappers in the world. You can pay people to kidnap sure. left and right. Kidnappers of the earth. Kidnappers. <laughs> uh, back at the Magic Castle, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is Mandrake's uh, home, the adults ponder how best to track down Ming while simultaneously dismissing the offers from Lothar Jr. and Rick to help out. LJ and Rick are constantly trying to see what they can do. And they the adults, really want to insinuate themselves into the show. The and they're just, just like, no. Now, go. You should be getting ready for school. Now, I know your mother just got murdered, son. And I'm sure you want vengeance. But you've got school tomorrow. Yeah. The, uh... 
the grace period on my mom died, maybe I don't want to go to school was very short. Yeah. I mean, nobody really. Okay, so he literally says he has school tomorrow to the kid whose mom was murdered on an alien planet today. Today, and and the kid says that's true. I do have I do have school tomorrow. <laughs> I should probably get some sleep. I mean, algebra is going to suck in the morning. <laughs> also, I've got this crystal with my mom's soul in <laughs> oh, it. Uh, and the adults decide the only way to find Ming will be with. The expert tracking powers of Mandrake's old friend, although not really friend, old associate, someone he's familiar with. Some guy he's heard of. I met him in a bar 20 years ago when we exchanged business cards. Uh, the ghost who wants. Which is, I have to say, even back in the day before Defenders of the Earth, the ghost who walks is the best sobriquet I ever heard in my life. It's that pretty is, cool. That is fantastic. That's better than the Dark Knight Detective. That the ghost who walks is that's got some cachet to it. Um, and the other thing that I loved from the old uh, Phantom strips was his civilian name. You always got the impression he didn't really have a legitimate civilian name. He went by the name Kit Walker, and then there was always an uh, asterisk whenever he said introduced himself as Mister Walker. There was an asterisk in the word balloon and down below it would say asterisk for the ghost who walks <laughs> down to the bottom i go yeah because he doesn't have a last name because he's not on anybody's books he doesn't have any <laughs> fingerprints in the system he's the ghost who walks yeah um and that was fantastic i loved that um the the four adults ditch their troublesome teenagers and they land their rocket ship in the jungle because sure why not you can you can just sort of you got put the impression they're like, well, he's in Africa. Let's land in Africa. But there's no like bird What's trail, up, Phantom. Yeah, there's no like he, they don't take out a copse of trees for like three miles as they put this thing down. It's just in nope. the trees with the trees perfectly over it. <laughs> they teleport into Africa, basically. Yes. They because Lothar has his knowledge. Also, of that had things. to be like a, a sixteen-hour flight. I mean, granted, his jet's probably going pretty fast. But not with, not with the rocket ship. They're they're there in a second. Well, they, I guess they did fly to another planet. And that only took them, like, maybe 30 minutes to get... I mean, I could have gone to your house and back by the time that they got to Africa. <laughs> so, okay, their ship is infinitely fast. Sure. And all three of them are immediately captured by that most dangerous of all enemies. Natives. No? And net. Oh, yeah, nets. Now, the net was laid by the natives. So I'll, I'll give you a partial credit on that one, but <laughs> but Annette, yes, and it's ulti- it's 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 the it's the uh, re- Return of the Jedi scenario where they're all just walking along and immediately scooped up by much lower level technology, and nobody's impressed by them and their screwball antics with their <laughs> rocket ships and their magic tricks and their super strength, and like no one had a knife. Or, like, Lothar should have just been able to pull that thing apart, right? Lothar, for some reason, doesn't have a knife, but he always has on his pack a mountain climbing gear. Have you noticed that? Yeah. He has an ice pick, which I guess comes in handy against ice technology. Yeah. And mountain climbing gear. So he's always got ropes and grappling. Which I can climb up ropes that have already broken. Well, yeah, you gotta be able to do that in the opening intro. Um... So, all three of them are immediately captured by the net that was laid by, uh, the local tribesmen of, of whatever this group is. We find out later they are the Bandar tribe. And that's cool because, uh, the Bandar were the tribe in Phantom. 
okay, in, cool. in the daily comic strip. So that's canon. That's where he lives. Uh, the Bandar are the one who gave him the name, the Ghost Who Walks, because the concept is uh, they believe, except for a few of them who are on the secret, but most of them believe that the Phantom cannot die. He is right. ever living. But it's actually a father to son passed down from generation to generation. The, the son takes up the, the costume, puts it on, is the Phantom for a certain number of years, and then his son becomes the Phantom, and so on and so on and so on. That's what made it interesting when I was reading the Phantom comic strips as a kid because he had twins. He had a boy and a girl. And what was supposed to happen in the tradition of the Phantom is the oldest child, he can have as many children as he wants, but the oldest child, yeah. the oldest child was always a male and it was always the one who would become the next Phantom. But here you had twins. One was a man, uh, one was a boy and one was a girl and they never actually said which one was going to become the Phantom. And so there was always the possibility at least. Well, he died. So it's got to be her. Pour one out for Phantom Jr. Um, There's always the possibility, at least, that the next generation of Phantom would be female uh, because his daughter had at least a a shot at taking up the title and running with it. And so I was happy to see that he has a teenage daughter, which we find out in the next scene. Um, uh, They bring the, the Bandar natives, bring the captives to through the jungle to a teenage girl in a black jumpsuit. Uh, head to toe, thick jumpsuit that you which you would wear in the middle of the jungle. Yeah, because who wouldn't? Yeah, uh, black jumpsuit with purple uh, accents, um, which kind of harkened. I like. I kind of like Jetta's uh, outfit because because it's 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 black and it's got the purple belt and the purple boots and it's sort of like it's sort of like the opposite of the Phantom. You're definitely affiliated with Phantom. Yeah, yeah. I am. I am Phantom adjacent. <laughs> I am clearly demonstrating my Phantom adjacentness. And this is Jetta. This is the daughter of the Phantom. Uh, she is, let's say, roughly LJ and, and Rick's age. Definitely. And they do send her to high school. They do send her to the same. I school. don't get the impression she was. Attending high school in Africa. No, she was homeschooled, definitely. Cave schooled, if you must. <laughs> she was cave schooled, and uh, but that's okay because uh, I always I always got the impression that the Phantom was definitely keeping her up to date on on the latest uh, SAT requirements. <laughs> He's the Phantom. The Phantom, when we meet him, is immediately the most calm, authoritative person that we've met so far, and you start to wonder, like. Shouldn't he be in charge of this group? Because See, I, th- I think you're projecting because you like the Phantom. Possibly. I think in this cartoon, the Phantom is super boring. <laughs> they give him nothing to do. Like, a couple times in these episodes, he's like, Power of the Tiger! And then he, not necessarily ten times, says that again or whatever, and then he gets the Power of the Tiger and lifts something, but like, or climbs a wall. Sure. Um... Uh, but yeah, he's just so flat whenever he talks or anything. Like, I was actually very disappointed in the Phantom. He he has a very level. He is not easily excitable, the Phantom. Uh, but he does immediately agree to help them fight Ming with no negotiations at all. He's just all in. As soon as they say, "Hey, you want to come help?" Yes, I so will. much so as to like uproot yeah relocate his daughter and his daughter like i think it starts in this episode and continues into the next one she's like i want to go home i don't want to be here i want to be in the jungle and not for nothing but we have a hundreds of years old tradition to upkeep and (sighs) and that that doesn't mean here that's back in africa and and the people back in africa are probably like 
the ghost who walks flew away. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> He's the ghost who gets in a ship and yeah, leaves. The ghost who has better shit to do. Yeah. And so he just decides to join them as long as Jetta can attend school in Central City, which is the name of the, the Flash City. Right. That is the that is exactly what I thought. It's like because it's, it's, it's not the, confusing enough that you have the Flash and Flash Gordon, you have to <laughs> also appropriate the Flash's hometown of Central you City. Have, you couldn't have named it like I don't know Metro City or been, any of the other super generic city it names. Could have been anything, have. or you could have just called it Los Angeles. Because sure, it could have just clearly, been a real city. It's clearly a California. They're definitely on the West Coast. Yes. It could have been anything. It could have been Sacramento for all I care, but come on. Uh, yeah, Central City gets a lot of supervillain attacks, um, and the public school system is second to none there. So, <laughs> so the defenders decide, yeah, great, you'll go to you'll go to school with well, them. Kelly, when you've got kids, you really got to move into those good it's school true. districts because, like, the the quality varies yeah. a lot. I mean, sure, the caves are cheaper here in Africa, <laughs> but. But I could live in a mansion with a rich magician in Central City, so. <clears throat> um, does Kishin not go to school at all, or is he just in middle school? Because so, we never see him at the high school. Do I, we assume he's just too young for that high school. We assume middle school, or he's not allowed. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he's being homeschooled at, at Mandrake's place. We don't know. I guess, man. Well, then why not just homeschool LJ while you're at it? I don't know. Uh, at Central City High, Rick and LJ prepare to hit on Jetta, um, whose pet freaking panther followed her to school. Uh, and they are a not a safety concern at all. No, but they're literally like, "Hey, check out the number in the stretched black jumpsuit. <laughs> She's looking pretty sweet." And they are literally preparing to go hit on her, uh, which never comes up again, or at yeah. least not in that episode. They're all going to live together in a very brotherly, sisterly way, so it's not cool that they're about to hit on their soon-to-be foster sister. Um, but then that is that never actually happens, because they are accosted by uh, Stranger Danger robots, who, <laughs> before either of them can can zero in on how rocking she is in her jumpsuit, these Stranger robots... Well, they're the, the ice found, people or whatever. They right? are. Well, are they the ice people? Are they the men of ice? I thought they were the men of ice. Have found their way onto the public school grounds and are just, they just show up and basically attack and kidnap. Yeah. Um, and Jetta then demonstrates everybody has their special thing. And Jetta's special thing is a telepathic link to her panther. That she learned from the from the tribesmen. So yeah, Wink. so yeah, demonstrates. But the this. phantom can't do that. And she commands her panther to follow the thing with the wheels, which could have been on a road. Yeah, there's like fifty cars on the road, and she says, "Follow the thing with the wheels." And the panther's like, hmm? <laughs> "No, no, the thing with there's the wheels." There's line thirty. There's a parking lot right there. <laughs> could you be more specific? Um, and what the panther, color was it? Yeah, Make a model, please. Could you give me a plate? Do you have a partial plate? Anything? Uh, the panther, which is uh, Kisa, does this no problem for some reason and jumps onto the roof and is riding on the, the van on the roof without any slowdown of the van whatsoever. Nope. Uh, to a weird station on a mountain, which is not Ice Station Earth, which is way off in the No, Arctic. it's like an abandoned prison. Oh, yeah. An abandoned prison... Within driving distance of the <laughs> school. 
an abandoned prison that is like a mountain fortress. Like, a supervillain could not ask for a better setup than this abandoned Yeah, there's prison. only one way in, one way, <laughs> one way out. out. And it is you know. fortified like a castle. You know, um, and if it wasn't a prison, it would be prime real estate for really anyone. But the the high school is within walking distance of yes. it, so... Um, some brand new bigger ship with room for all the kitties that Flash pulled out of his ass flies off in pursuit of Rick and LJ. I'm sure it's a little bit of astromechanics. Yeah. It was just retrofitted. And uh, they're being guided by the link between the Panther, Kisa, and Jetta. They're using this as their navigation array. You know, Panther GPS, it's... And literally this line comes up, the old state penitentiary? But it's been abandoned for years. <laughs> oh, you're right, because Ming can't go anyplace that's abandoned. <laughs> I mean, how could you get in? It's locked. <laughs> right? So they land, and the Phantom calls upon, for the first time he calls upon, he, 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 he demonstrates his superpower. Now, to be clear... Phantom in the comics has no superpowers whatsoever. He's a guy in a he's mask. He's a very trained dude with and he's guns, doing, typically. Yeah, he is a guy in a mask. He's got those two cults, which is awesome. Yeah. He's very much a peak athletic guy. You know, I will do everything a man could do with two guns in his hand, but that's it. In Defenders of the Earth, they wanted to up his super level so that he's more of a superhero. And so they give him the ability to call upon certain animal Powers. Well, they say that they say that in general with like the intro that he can call upon whatever animals, but all I ever saw him do was call upon the strength of ten tigers. So I think during the course of the series, he does the the I call upon the power of ten tigers, and then this always drove me drove me crazy because he would call upon the power of ten tigers. And he didn't do it. And ten there times. would be about eight that would. Okay, the poo, first poo, time poo, it's poo, eight. Poo, poo. In the second episode, it's fucking eleven. Yeah, see, they never did ten <laughs> ever. I would count them, and I go. Why can't you just count to ten? It never was no, ten. No, it was literally eight and then eleven. <sighs> and it's just like... But I saw him do ten tigers, and I saw him do... I uh, call upon the powers of uh, the something elephant. You know, the unstoppable elephant. And he did he did that when he like wanted to stop a truck, and he just kind of like put his arm down in front of the... into the hood of a car that was coming at him and like stopped it dead. Okay. And then one other time, I think I saw... I swear I think I saw him use a bear. And I'm like, how many... Is there a bear in the jungle? Do, 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 does the jungles of Africa have bear? Because no. I don't think that's a thing. No, they don't. Um, but whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. continuity. Sure. And, and and why not? They are animals. Though. They're animals. They're all animals. Well, there's a there's a bear in the jungle book. I mean, Baloo is a bear and he's... Is that in Africa? I think jungle... No, that's, that's South... Uh, South America. South America. It might even be India for all I know. Jeez, I don't know. I still wouldn't have said there were a lot of bears no. in jungle climates. Um, so they fly off in the uh, sport utility vehicle uh, uh, of spaceships that now is Flash's new ride. They find the, the abandoned penitentiary. They land. Phantom calls upon the power of ten tigers. And he scales the walls and opens the doors. He scales the walls of the prison, climbs up and over the other side. And opens the doors to let in the defenders. By pushing them. Right. Just opens them. Well, let's say they lock from the inside. Okay. Okay? He opens these doors. And surprise, Ming's army is right there in the courtyard to capture all of them. <laughs> and I immediately thought, he didn't notice them when he was climbing over the wall and down in the courtyard no, that they were use, hiding in? He didn't use the senses of, <laughs> of ten eagles. He used the strength of ten tigers. I used the 
Blindness of ten bats. Yeah. And totally missed that small army of, of space and Like It's not like they walk in a little bit and then they spring the trap. They were just there as no. soon as they opened the door. And this is broad daylight in a huge courtyard. <laughs> There's no cover. They're not hiding. This is a prison courtyard. No, they're it's just like all every prison courtyard there. you ever saw. It's just wide open. Okay, so this is four superheroes also square off against, let's just say, 15 to 20 ice people in Ming. <laughs> And then, like, we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get a fight. Nope. They just give up. They get, the yeah. next time we see them, they're just they trying to quickly overcome. For, uh, for a firing squad. Yeah. And or Fent- electro- electrocution squad or whatever. Like, he, worth- there's no question, they're going to be murdered. And Phantom's worth 10 tigers at this point. Yeah. <laughs> or 11, depending on your map. Those pelts are worth it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that Phantom But like, my point is, like, why don't they put up a fight if Ming's endgame is just straight up murdering you? Like, at least try. What I liked is that <laughs> he kidnaps Rick and LJ. He takes them to this place. And was his plan to have them come and try to save their children? He literally says multiple times, I will kidnap them to draw out Flash. Well, well done then, Ming. But Flash was already looking for you. You could have just put an ad in the paper that said, Hey, Flash, Ming's at this person. Lonely Ming looking for Flash to complete my days and nights. Yeah, he would have showed up. If you show up, he's going to show up to fight you. You did not have to kidnap anyone. No, well... But then that wouldn't have been what Ming's done. Ming kidnaps. That's what no, Ming No, that does. is what he does. And he sets up people to be uh, electrocuted in machinery and in all kinds of, well, this is... Very a, elaborate electrocution is, method instead of just cracking is, their necks when they're... He says broken. this is reworked, abandoned electro- electrocution uh, technology. He's lucky they were still in the power grid. Yeah. This is yeah. This is this was definitely a a strange prison when it was running, <laughs> because not only were they electrocuting their prisoners, which okay, I understand if you're on death row, maybe they did use the electrocution method but, out in the main but out courtyard, in the, <laughs> out in the middle of the courtyard, tied up to posts like it's a firing squad. Yes, but instead of firing at you, they just turn on the juice and fry you like you're on a giant Tesla coil. First, they throw you in the water and see if you float or not. <laughs> If you don't sink, then then you have to be murdered. Good lord, this is just awful. So, hot damn, cartoon. That's that's some craziness going on. And LJ uh, demonstrates that he knows martial arts very well. So well, in fact, like me. Can can kick down a metal metal doors. Um, Now, remember, this was an abandoned facility. Maybe the metal is bent when he kicks it off. Off well, the hinges. Is it bent because he kicks it, or was it already like a crappy door? No, to it was from him. Uh, well, he's super strong. He, I don't think he is. I really don't concede that LJ has super strength. I think he's in just... this alternate universe. <laughs> everyone is able to kick doors off hinges, or he is super strong. But then, I think I think Rick could have easily kicked that door the same way LJ did. I don't. I don't... Had he had Rick's. Tr- or, or LJ's training. Right, exactly. Using. I think it's just a rusty door. That's all I think it is. Okay. <laughs> you Please write to us at uh, illuminatiespodcast at gmail.com to tell us if you think LJ has super strength or if it was just a rusty damn door. Um, so they kick open the door and uh, the cell is, is open. They, they run out. He and Rick are 
are on the run, and they run to the adults to save the adults from the chair, which is the pole. Uh, and when they don't know which tunnel to take, Dead Dale's magic crystal in Rick's That's hand right. lights up and tells Rick to go right. And doesn't bat an eye, doesn't doesn't question it, just like, oh, we're supposed to go right because... Because mom said so. I have this thing in my pocket, and it was when my mom died, and why not? Yeah. Wow. Um, in the prison yard, Ming throws the switch to fry our heroes, but Rick and LJ cut the power. Jetta steals the Stranger Danger van that they Keep were kidnapped. Okay, okay, they don't just cut the power, because that's not how this plays out. They do something so that it blows up. Right, you're right. The entire prison explodes. Right. They, they I'm unclear how they cut the power. The wiring. So, yeah. Rick does with his, his technological... He's, he's got some computers. Inexplicably yeah. can make supercomputers. Yeah. And then they swing the, the Stranger Danger kidnapping van all the way around to our four tied up adults on the poles. Yeah. Uh, they, they get their dads off the poles because you're always taking dad off the pole. <laughs> God, how many times? Right, folks? Um, and uh, then they plow through the yard uh, Rick and LJ are always together. So Rick and LJ plow through the yard. They get the, the, the parents out. Uh, they get Jetta in the van. Ming's forces straight up abandon him while he screams for them to come back. Uh, so whether these were ice robots or men of ice makes no difference because they straight up just take off. <laughs> All of them, they see a van swerve around in the yard. They see the, the, the dads I'm coming off here. the poles and they're like, I didn't so sign up long. for this shit. <laughs> this, is, this is too real, too quick, and I'm out of here. I was totally on board with electrocuting these dudes, yeah. but as soon Listen, as the van's involved... Octon told me there was a chance for advancement in your ranks, but I'm not down with this. <laughs> and so he screams at them, but they just leave. And uh, I'm not sure if these are men of frost or what, but they're not 100% reliable. Um, also, the men of frosts... We, we talked about the masks... Uh, they have the pink masks that go over the blue faces. But the other question is, the Men of Frost's voices sound like robots. They have a tin modulator voice. Yep. But they're the humans that were converted to Ming's will by being coated in a special frost. So what about that makes them robot voices? I don't understand. I think they decided after the fact that, like, wait, if these are just, like, hypnotized humans, we we can't we kill can them constantly them. Oh, on right. cartoons, and so they decided they were robots after. And the that was a big thing in 1980s cartoons. You could shoot robots, and you could shoot, uh, you know, constructs and magical creatures, but you couldn't allow humans to come to harm no. because that was against specs and standards. And, and yeah, no, you're probably you lose all your advertisers right. and stuff. Oh, I like that. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, but none of that matters because Rick hotwired the generators to blow. And uh, it's to the Stranger Danger van quick. And they all take off. Ming's ship flies away from the prison just before the entire place goes up in flames. Um, our heroes are watching the scene from the safety of the van, which is now uh, back at Flash's gigantic luxury ship. <laughs> <laughs> um, and flying home, Rick tells all that he's been hearing voices. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, guys, Which isn't really true. I've been hearing voices uh, telling me to burn things <laughs> coming from this crystal in my hand. Um, and Mandrake uses his magic razzle dazzle to determine that the crystal absorbed the personality of the life force of Dale. Of Dale, whatever that means. 
uh, at the very moment of her death when she was shocked and enraged by her son <laughs> blowing up the machine and ensuring her grim demise. Um, so I don't know that I'd listen to these voices, Rick. Uh, she may not have your best interest at heart at this point. Uh, she still loves him. She's a good mom. But Rick's response to this, when Mandrake tells him this, what this, what this consciousness trapped in the crystal is, Rick's response without any hesitation whatsoever is, maybe I can use it for the new supercomputer I'm designing. <laughs> cool. cool. I needed a captured soul for my... <laughs> oh my god, Rick. That was the last part I was waiting for. Oh. I wasn't going to go to Radio Shack and just get whatever, but now that I can use my mom... I bet Mr. Thurston in science class will give me extra credit for this. Oh my god. Wow, Rick. Priorities, man. Wow. All right. I, I don't know. I, I swear if you did the, like, 20 years later of Defenders of the Earth, <laughs> Rick is the villain. Yeah. And, well, like, he'll just be like, uh, yeah, I killed my mom, and then I used her soul to power my computer, which well, is still there. Like, Dynac 8, or what? It's going to be Dynac 18 Dynac or whatever. By the time, but, like, it'll be like, I, she still serves me now. Like, To be fair, though, ask anyone. Ask ask Steve Jobs whoever human souls are much better processing power for your computer than any alternative <laughs> gives them that creativity oh, yeah yeah um, Mandrake then decrees that someday quote even Kishin and Zuffy can join the team <laughs> <laughs> which will be known as the defenders of the earth and everyone puts their hands in uh, and boom finale that is the end of the Yeah, first. he doesn't ask anyone what they should be called. He's just nope. like, Defenders he, of the Earth, let's he go. He calls, and they're like, I don't really, I didn't agree to that name. No, it's not. Yeah. No, they're all in on it. Like, and they put their hands in, and that's the, the closing scene. And then, immediately after that, the credits go up, and I'm looking at it. I wasn't paying any attention. I just happened to glance up, and I saw this credit, and I went, what? Uh, supervising story editor, Stan Lee. <laughs> really? Main title lyrics by... Stan Lee. Lee. <laughs> they feel like Stan Lee lyrics, man. <laughs> well, I just, I was impressed because it had a very uh, Marvel pace and feel to it. I felt like this could have been a Marvel comic. Okay. Um, utilizing King's properties, but definitely felt like a Marvel um What's the word? Uh, a Marvel story, a Marvel. Yeah, at the time, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it felt like a very Marvel cartoon, and I thought maybe that's what appealed to me so much uh, when I first watched it as a kid. Is it, it's it felt very much like something that I would see coming from Marvel. Um, yeah, Stan Lee was in on the ground floor of Defenders of the Earth. <laughs> nice. Now he invested where it mattered. Yeah. Just look at where all those characters are now. <laughs> sure, he could have sunk more money into Avengers and X Men, but Defenders is the real pure gold. Oh God, Mandrake! Um, now there was a follow up episode, uh, uh, the, the episode right after the, the pilot, which was called, I believe, uh, the creation of Monitor, and. <laughs> Brent, you watched this. I watched it. I watched I it a lot, watch but it. I didn't I, take I as careful notes as I did on the pilot. I don't. Right? I don't know that we need to go no, through no. the entire synopsis, but I do have some notes. By all means, lead that us. That I through. think are fun. Uh, number one, 
I gotta update my will so that like my soul is put into one of my kids' cell phones or whatever. Like I'm gonna live on like she did. That sounds like a good idea. Just make sure your Facebook posts are up to date. They'll have everything they need. <laughs> So this, um, this episode, though, was centered around the creation of their base, Monitor. Well, it, it's confusing because, like, you know, when they start the episode, they flash up the, the title. It says Creation of Monitor. And then you open on Rick creating... Dynac X. Dynac X or 8 or whatever. And you're like, are they going to call her Monitor? Can I just ask, though, he starts with, this is the, this is the new computer system I've been building and I can't wait to install <laughs> this Psycho Crystal... Because it's what I've been waiting for to complete Dynac X. And I thought you're... You just moved here. But no, but I thought... My question wasn't even that. My question was, why Dynac X? I Call it Dynac or call it Dynac 1 or... He's just ahead. He's just where ahead. are we at X already? How many of these did you he's go through? He's way ahead of the times. I guess. That's <laughs> how many souls he's already oh, turned God. through. <laughs> Rick went through a lot of foster mothers <laughs> before he landed on one that really appealed to him. So, they decide they're going to build a base, and then Flash is like, you know what, I'm going to get this pile of squid people to come help us out. From his, his alien friends. Now, these are the friends that, while he right. was I doing his world that, tour... that we should have known who they yeah, were. Yeah, they're all people from different civilizations that were enslaved by Ming as part of the Ming Empire. Okay, and then the Octobot thing hacks the, the squid aliens. But then they say... He's broken through Dynax defenses. You need more security on that thing. And it's like, no, they didn't. Dynax not even done. You just said that. <laughs> also, Dynax get... not running these spaceships. They're just spaceships. In space. Like, it was so confusing. And of um, course, they're just, at this point, they're just running Dynac out of the living room of Mandrake's mansion. Right. It is literally just a mainframe. It's not hooked up to anything. It's just there. Right. Um, Might as well be in Zuffy's cave. And as I understand, Dynac doesn't really do anything for the rest of the episode, right? Well, for the remainder of the series, once she's up and running. Dynac, sure, but for this episode, she doesn't... She helps them to um, get... Once she's online, she helps bring the rest of the base's defenses up and helps repel the attack. Okay. She can control all their defenses automatically and repels the forces of me. Um, Later. So during this, so like Ming's forces show up and there's an attack going on, and uh, but wait, before they show up, Ming is saying, you know, we have no idea where these defenders of the Earth will be headquartered. How will we find? He knows where where Rick goes to high school, but whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't be that far can't be that far from there. But he's like, we have no idea where their headquarters is, and you think, okay, they're gonna have a hidden base throughout the rest of this series. No, they're gonna have a base. With a big old target on it because their location is given up in the first 10 minutes of this episode. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. So they find Ming's forces attack the base. So Ming's forces attack and they're like, Shen, stay hidden. And instead of that, he runs outside and he's like, oh, I want to see this happening. Get him, Flash. And he throws a rock at a spaceship and makes it crash. Not only that, but he gets a thumbs up from Flash for doing it. Yeah. As Flash zooms by in another ship, he gives a little... Good, good job. job good job, kid. Thanks for nailing a like, Mach 2 spaceship <laughs> with a rock. Like, well Great, done. kid. Don't get cocky. So, Mean sees this kid in all the activity happening through whatever through his remote security tele- cameras he's got. <laughs> and he's like... 
holy shit, it is an opportunity to kidnap someone. We better <laughs> fucking kidnap that kid. And, okay, so he says literally capture them alive. And then the Ice Warriors come down and they are just blasting as hard as they can at that kid. They are doing their best to kill him. Yeah. And uh, I just, I just love like it. I liked that a lot. It's like capture them alive. Like I'll capture them alive with my lasers. (laughs) 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 Nothing, nothing captures things alive better than destroying them with laser strife. Uh, I sort of touched on this earlier, but like Octobot can detect their base inside a mountain, but they can't. They don't have basic security cameras to detect, like, the Ice Warriors walking in the door. Well, you know, they were just trying to get things up and running. Everything was in a very much kind of, we have we have our squid people putting things up right now, but nothing's working yet. Um, I don't remember the context of how this comes up, but Ming says, this is just a foretaste of what's to come. And I'm like, a foretaste? <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? Well, you mean it's a taste of things to come? No, it's a foretaste. <laughs> By the way, this uh, episode of Illuminates is merely a foretaste of the podcast. There you go. Oh, man. And so... <laughs> okay, so... Can we talk a little bit about the location that they settle on for Monitor? I mean... The previously unknown volcano in their backyard. Kishin not only takes his direction of stay out of trouble and hide, Kishin, to heart, he hides so well and so deep and so far (laughs) that he literally buries himself into the mountain, which in the previous episode did not exist behind Mandrake's mansion, but is now... It was a trick of the angles. That is all the backyard is, is a giant volcano, a dormant volcano in the back of the yard that no one saw last night. It's not so dormant, wink. So... Kishin gets lost in those caves, right? He's just he's just stuck down there for yeah, most of the episode. Yeah, how does he get out? I, didn't, I thought they kind of glossed over that. Zuffy helps him get out. Okay, uh, fair enough. Yeah, Zuffy, Zuffy and he, they they, they get... Um, Ice Warriors infiltrate the caves, again, because they're on kidnap mission, for Ming. He's like, if you don't come back with a child in your arms, don't come back at all. <laughs> because you know I need me some children to kidnap and so the Ice Warriors, they, they chase Kishin into those caves, and they get so lost tracking him down, um, they eventually find him and shoot at him, and, and the resulting explosions of their laser fire reveal an entire huge cavern, just a giant city-sized cavern. Yeah, they, li- they literally say city-sized they cavern. They do. It's a small city-sized cavern, and that is what they're going to That's play. a great place for a base for eight people. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? How much room do these eight people need? I mean, first of all, they start with... I need with, the equivalent of 12 city blocks per person. They start off with a mansion. Yeah. They need They're a eight people. Spot. I mean, I know that you're... Man, Mandrake's really cramping my style <laughs> in the East Wing. I can barely hang out here in the West Wing. But do you really need a city? Of course. And how 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 are you going to keep that city hidden anyway? Uh, well, you're going to hide it inside a dormant volcano. So, the not-as-dormant volcano as they think it is, they're like, oh, we can't do this, there's a fucking active volcano there. And they're like, oh, I know, we'll tap it for geothermal energy. And you're like, okay, that's cool. And they're like, that's an organic solution to our problem. I'm like, there is nothing about geothermal are, energy that is organic. Listen, I don't think you know are, what that word means. They are defenders of the earth, <laughs> and they are earth conscious. <laughs> defenders of the earth, earth conscious. It just bugged me, because it's like, 
you can beat that is a green solution. It is not an organic one. Yeah, um, and, and what also bugged me was the suggestion to cap the thermal vent to to tap the Earth's crust as their power. Would just make it build up more. No, but what bothered me was the suggestion. I believe comes from Jetta, who is not a science person. She's not. She is now. Well, it was an organic I'm solution telling, to this, our energy and problems. And this just backs up my argument that Phantom was top-notch homeschooled. Yes. <laughs> Inside the skull cave. <laughs> Let's. It's time to learn how geothermal <laughs> astromechanics. Cap those volcanoes. Um. So I I don't know the status quo as the show continues, but it seems like at the end they they trick Ming's forces into thinking that they blew up the base and they they like raise the camouflage lake and then release some debris. Right. So they're like, oh, we did it. We killed them all. But like. He, he knows they're not dead. That's not the case, though. I mean, the, he, so do they return? That's what I mean. Like the very the rest, next episode, rest of the series. It's not. It's not that Ming shows up the very next episode attacking them again. But he's not. He's not under the impression that they have no base at that volcano anymore. He knows exactly where Monitor. Monitor, when it needs to activate its defenses, rises up out of that lake, and activates all these computers and guns and turrets and everything. So in effect, the only thing. That they are established to hide when they're in camouflage mode in the lake is from the community they in fact live in. <laughs> they're hiding from the city ordinance people. Which is really, yeah, it's really inappropriate because it's like, we're setting up this thing that's going to constantly be attacked by a yeah. supervillain. But I don't want you, you to know how much danger you're you have in. have no idea how much you guys are going to get shot at <laughs> for, the, for the rest of time. Because you guys live at the foot of you guys live. You think it's a great neighborhood a with great a mansion, regular and volcano, but it is not. You may think it's the best neighborhood in town with all these mansions, but <laughs> let me tell you, ice robot fire is going to strafe you like crazy. Um, I I had a note about it looked a lot like the cat didn't want a bomb strapped to it as it traveled through the vents, but um, just Poor the way they animated, I'm like, why is dropping a bomb at that cat? Poor it does Kisa. not want to do that. Um, but my absolute favorite thing is so like throughout this whole episode, uh, the the Phantom's daughter is complaining like we don't we belong here. Why are we here? Let's go back to the jungle. And like she's got a really good point. And Phantom's like, no, I made a commitment to be a defender of the earth. Well, whatever that's for. Yeah. And he's just like, okay, fine. And like, what settles this uh, this conflict between them is that. They find an 80-degree cave. Just sort of a pocket of what they've already uncovered for right. the rest of the And, like, monitor. I don't know what temperature the rest of the cave was, but this cave is specifically 80 degrees, which is the same temperature as the Skull Cave will be happy. And, here. by the way, is 80 degrees Africa temperature? Because... It's Skull Cave temperature? I guess. A very smooth 80 degrees does not change. And then... That's where where Phantom says this will be the perfect this spot for a new skull. skull Cave West. Yeah, and for the rest of the series, uh, Phantom hangs out down there in this little pocket of gonna, monitor. He's not going to live in the mansion like a loser. But it's like every time they need to talk to him, it's like, <laughs> could you please go get him for the meeting? <laughs> and it's like he's he's down there, like you know, rubbing you know you know weird animal magics and stuff and paints and things and, and 
they're just like, uh, Phantom, we're about to start. Can you get up to the living room? Not please? to mention, like, the inside of a volcano, there's not a lot of wildlife for him to commune with. Like, it's just... But in the series, you see that outside Skull Cave West, there has grown fauna and flora around him. Okay. Uh, so it's sort of like they colonized that little area of of Monitor to okay. be just like Africa a too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a little pocket Africa. Pafrica, if you will. Um, and so he's happy there, and, and Jetta comes and goes. You see her upstairs often, because she's a teenage girl, and as much as she wanted to go back to their homelands, this was not it. And she's gonna if she has to go to high school, she's going to go to high school. Right. And not hang out in the cave anymore. Uh, so more power to you, Jetta. So yeah, man. And that is uh, the, the setup of the rest of the series. So they, they, they fight out of Monitor for the rest of the series, but it's not like a hidden location. However, the townspeople, um, the other students and teachers at the high school, they don't really know that there are the Defenders of the Earth out there, even though LJ and Rick have jackets with Defenders of the Earth logos <laughs> on the back. And Jetta, I think at some point, her belt buckle has a Defenders of the Earth <clears throat> logo on it. I like it. They're just like... Another gang that the teens are joining these days, I guess. You know how gangs are. The sharks and the jets and the defenders of the earth. You know how they're always <laughs> mixing it up and rumbling. Um, and yeah, and so they, they're not treated as like celebrities or any way. They're not like given deference like, you know, you guys can't co- coast by just because you defend us from Ming every week. You still need to do your also, algorithm. you're the primary source of danger for Ming. Yeah. They really shouldn't t- catch a break. No. Go plug some other high school. Also, did you sell any of that band candy? Because it's not going to sell itself. (laughs) And I don't want your little monkey cat doing it for you. Um, Yeah, and that's that's the the, the series. So, I had uh, nothing but love for this show as a child. Okay. As a child, were you aware of its cheesiness or did it just all land? Not at all. All of it landed well with me. As okay. a child, I I bought into this whole hog. I was just like, this is awesome. And what I couldn't understand is why everybody didn't, why this wasn't more popular. Like, yeah. people knew Transformers and people knew He-Man and people knew G.I. Joe, but nobody watched Defenders of the Earth except me, as far as I was aware. Like, nobody was watching this but me. And I would, I mean, I would talk about I those other in... cartoons with my friends, and then I'd mention, hey, did you ever watch Defenders of the Earth? And they'd be like, no, no. I mean, I, mean, I was in formative cartoon years not too far after this, and I never heard of it. And yet, what does it lack that the other shows have? Or, like, is it missing any of those key and vital elements that the other shows had? It's so confusing, and it's based on properties that kids don't know. It's sure, but not, aren't they? It's not self-contained in any way. So you're saying the backstories of the individual principal players is too, like you have to assume too much prior knowledge going they, in. Yeah, they assumed way too much prior knowledge. Like maybe I got by with it because I had so much Phantom prior knowledge, and I was like, well, and you were willing to. You've been like, well, Flash Gordon's like a space guy, whatever. I, I know that much, and like I can imagine that Mandrake is a magician, but like there's. They don't explain any of it. They just they just go, man. I, I think like a lot of those shows do well with the intro. Like, I mean, honestly, most of those shows, the intro, the show's theme song intro is the origin story. It's mm-hmm. like, this is what happened. 
the Autobots came into the thing. The, the yeah, Street Sharks did this. The yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got the ooze on them. This, this, all this stuff happened. They always explain it. Sure. And this one, it's like, here's these four random dudes. Let's do this. It is a bit like it's it's sort of what I imagine the hurdles that had to be overcome for uh, the Avengers movie were like you had all these standalones first where you had to make sure everybody was very up to speed on each individual right. guy and invested in them first. And then when you brought them together, fine, everybody's on board. But they couldn't have done Avengers and not done the backstories of all these other guys first or tried to put in an abbreviated version of these backstories into one Avengers movie because it would have been stimulus overkill and your mind would have exploded. Right. So, but that is what they did. But that is what they did with Defenders of the Earth. Well, they just didn't give you any backstory. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I You don't... You, you get about one line of dialogue per backstory yeah. per character. You get nothing on Lothar. Nothing. No. Mandrake, you get nothing really either. You, you get that he's a magician, but you get nothing in backstory. Yeah. You can infer... Uh, some backstory on Flash because there's obviously a relationship between him and Ming that yeah, goes back some ways. Yeah, he's been fighting Ming. Why he decided to go that alone for however long 20 he to did. 30 years and yeah. was doing okay, I guess. He was at more or less a standstill until he got his wife and kid yeah. kidnapped. Yep, yep. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's that's it. I, um, I, I thought it was great, but maybe I was what appealed to me as a child was that I liked digging into the individual backstories, and as the show went on, they had episodes that would... I don't know that they ever had a Lothar-centric episode, really, but they had episodes of, like, Phantom, where you le- they would go back to the jungle mm-hmm. to... Because some sort of emergency would arise, and they go back to the jungle, and um, Phantom's brother uh, challenges him for the right to be the Phantom, because... Oh, crazy. Yeah, he was... You find out that the Phantom was not the eldest son... He was the second son, and the eldest son was his older brother who, uh, when he became the Phantom for all of five minutes, started doing all kinds of evil stuff with his powers, and the Bandar tribe turned against him and basically stripped him of his right to be the Phantom, and the, and the, the mystic forces moved on to yeah. choose this guy instead. So you get all that, and... Um, and you get, I think, uh, a little bit in uh, terms of Mandrake's backstory because he has, you know, more straight up, uh, uh, more straight up adventures where he, he, like everywhere they go, Mandrake has contacts like, oh yes, I used to, I used to. The Indiana Jones of magicians. Exactly. <laughs> he was basically that. And yeah. so you got a, you got a piece together his history and I enjoyed doing that, but. But yeah, maybe that maybe that's too much to ask if you're. But by that really... time, you've already bought in. Like by the time you're getting to the things that you're saying were interesting about the show. Like I'm saying, in the first two episodes, it's too much to ask. Completely fucking lost. Yeah. And you, as coming in with completely fresh eyes, were just like. <sighs> and like, I even have a lot of affinity to the Phantom. Sure. And like, I don't know, man. If I'd come across this as a kid, I don't know that I would have watched it. Yeah. And so. Uh, watching all this as an adult, I loved being able to pick it apart just because, yeah. oh, I love picking apart this stuff. It's just <laughs> the best. Um, but let me ask you this. So the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast, the idea of Illuminatis in general, is that Hollywood is gold mining the 80s. It's yeah. just everything that they can get their hands on. And um, 
God, we got to do an episode on like even the worst of the '80s is getting revisited. Like they're gonna do Manimal. <laughs> they almost already did. They came very close to doing a Manimal movie, and they they didn't. So it's it's right there on the it's it's just ready. They're gonna do Manimal, and that's like the worst 1980s. I mean, even I watching it at the time thought this is terrible. <laughs> but they're gonna do it. They they're they're about they're doing the Greatest American Hero, which was never a smash hit. It was always no. kind of riding that bubble. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to look at these properties from the 1980s, the, the huge hits like Transformers and such, and the lesser known stuff like this, Defenders of the Earth, because, um, a lot of the times when they go back to that well, it's to pull these not quite as expensive, lesser known things and revamp them and see if they can revisit that for today's audiences. I mean, the only one of these characters that I think you could pull out and do something with today is Flash Gordon. Well, let me ask you this. If you, if you were Joe Hollywood producer, um, and you were tasked with reimagining Defenders of the Earth for today's audience, what would be your... Could you pitch that? How would you... What would you change? Would you keep any of this? Would you throw it all out? Or... Is there something that you could salvage from this for today? The first thing I would throw out would be Mandrake. Gone. He is he is straight up diet Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is like a real property now that you sure. can't screw with. Sure. And it's just like... Uh, I'm a little worried about the Phantom just being like African Batman. Which you could sort of make a case as Black Panther. Like there's... He's... He's like a whitewashed Black Panther yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that's not gonna fly very well. Yeah. Uh Lothar's Luke Cage, like, that's a thing. I mean, at least for as much as we know about him. Sure. Um Interesting that so all your Defenders really, crossover. So all you're really left with is Flash, Flash Gordon. Gordon. He's the unique property there, and he's he's almost a Guardians of the Galaxy character. You just you almost have to play it as a joke, or you have to like like, he is in a comedy, but he doesn't know it kind of thing. Or you need to play it as, like, super serious. But I don't know how you do that with someone like Ming. Yeah. So, here's here's what I would have done. And I think the only thing... I, I, I thought about this question a long time. And I didn't, I didn't think I could make it stand up on its own today. As a property by itself. But, not too long ago, there was a failed television show of Flash Gordon. Um, it was just called Flash Gordon. I think. Mm-hmm. And it was, I want to say like six, seven years ago, maybe. It's not ringing any bells, but I believe but you. But they did this modern Flash Gordon. And, uh, you know, it's a cheap budget. And what they basically did was uh, there were these portals opening up on Earth to other areas of the galaxy and these guys would come through the portals to Earth. So Flash was a, an adventurer but he didn't have to go off into space to find adventure. Space was coming to him. Okay. And he and Dale who was a reporter uh, were Dale was someone he used to date in college but they drifted apart and now they're back together. And they were working on stuff and Dr. Zarkov was you know, the guy in charge of these portals hunting down the technology and figuring out how to stop it. And basically they were trying to keep the Earth from being overrun by these creatures coming through the portals from different 
alien societies and they made friends, they made enemies. I thought what would have been awesome is do an episode of that show where they have, you know, some very special guest stars come in <laughs> and they have like, you know, do an episode where you meet Mandrake and that's your Mandrake window. Do an episode where you meet the Phantom. You know, maybe the portal opens in Africa and Flash and them meet up with the Phantom or whatever. And that would that would be your window in to have a Defenders episode. You don't ever actually have to call. Yeah, them I that. would. I would. Yeah, I agree. I think it should be a Flash Gordon show or cartoon, and then like the Defenders might get together for a finale or mm-hmm. something. It's like we're gonna we need everyone on this because right. this is a big fight, and they get all these guys together. And you're like, yeah, and that's also done. that's also something that they do a lot now on even on TV shows like. Uh, the Flash or Arrow today. Yeah, they'll they team up for something sure. big. Yeah. And I thought maybe you could make it work like that, but by I itself, by itself, though, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you could. Yeah, could you do the Flash on the CW? Or, sorry, Flash Gordon Flash on Gordon, the CW. Uh, well, he should be on the CW so that he makes it even more confusing. Like, he could be Flash, a high school student and somehow. They both be in and Central there's a City. Murder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I used to, it used to drive me crazy as a kid, as a quick aside, it used to drive me crazy as a kid when people would say, uh, you know, I'd talk about The Flash, and they'd go, oh, Flash Gordon? I'd go, no, The Flash. It's a totally different character. And these are like adults who are like, whatever, I don't, I don't know The Flash. I know Flash Gordon. Uh, no. And now it would be the opposite. Yeah, now it would be the opposite. Now nobody knows Flash Gordon. Flash is riding high. And so, I guess... Uh, the answer is thumbs thumbs down as as in terms of a remake for Hollywood today. No, I mean it, one of the questions we had always asked was, "Does it hold up?" And I think I think it's going to hold up about as well as most things from that time period are going to hold up. Like it's not blowing me away, but oh, like friend. it wasn't awful. No, I think it gets a lot worse than this. It we'll see. It might get a lot worse <laughs> than this, but I think. That, I mean, we're not always going to be talking about cartoons. Yeah. But I think that some of the cartoons that we will talk about are going to be, I know one in particular that I know is, that I know holds up because I've rewatched it in recent years. Um, at least it held up for me. Okay. And I rewatched this with my son and he was thrilled with it and, and just loved it as a child. And I was watching alongside him, watching it again as an adult and thought, this really does still work. So... Some of them I think we're gonna we're gonna be pleasantly surprised by. Some of them I think you're right. It's just gonna be. So maybe this is on the lower end. Yeah, I, I would say probably on the lower end. <laughs> but boy, it was fun to walk through it. Uh, I really enjoyed the opportunity to walk through it, and thank you so much for uh, for signing up for the gig. Cause, yeah, man. Because it down. was good. It was good. Good stuff. Um, I will not miss Zuffy though. No, but I'm sure we'll get many Zuffy uh, equivalents. <laughs> uh, and that's it. That's it for Defenders of the Earth. Uh, contact us with your praise, suggestions, uh, unabashed abuse at uh, illuminatespodcast at gmail.com. That's I-L-L-U-M-I-N-8-0-S <laughs> podcast at gmail.com because... 
hey, people, people grab these these user handles yeah, quickly. They're all gone. <laughs> Illuminatis.com is not available. No, it's not a thing. But Illuminatispodcast at gmail.com. Please let us know what you think. And uh, if you have suggestions, requests for future episodes, let us know that too. We always want to give those some consideration. I have already started a list of possibilities for future episodes, and uh, and it can always be added to. So. And uh, we haven't actually decided where you're listening to this from, but probably iTunes, maybe SoundCloud. So if you're on one of those things, give it a rating or a review. I imagine one of us driving around the town, Blues Brothers style, with a yeah, just playing it. Speaker the on the car. Yeah. <laughs> Please tune in. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Defenders of the Earth. Defenders.